Please remain standing in body or in spirit for, to, for today's scripture lesson, a reading from the book of Genesis. Listen for the word of God. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, what if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? So they approached Joseph saying, your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him, and said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And please be seated. And thank you, Gary, for that wonderful reading of the Scripture lesson this morning. And good morning, beloved Christ Church family and friends. It is such a joy to be with you this morning, whether you're here in person or joining us online. Uh, we are we're very, very happy to, to greet you as well. And, and I know there are some new uh, folks among us joining us online in these recent weeks. And uh, if you didn't catch it, I want you to go ahead. You haven't done so yet. Uh, gather up some bread and juice because I'm going to be serving communion uh, to you virtually in just a few minutes after the message today. Well, friends, let's join our hearts in prayer as we continue. Loving God, we thank you for the beauty of this day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the sunshine, the bright skies, the warmer air, the reminders that spring is on its way, and in so, Lord, just the reminders of your faithfulness in season and out of season, year in and year out. You continue to be with us and to journey with us. Lord, you're journeying with us through Lent even now and even in this space, in this hour of worship. We're grateful for your presence. We're grateful for the gift of one another as well. So, Lord, as, as we continue this morning, Lord, we pray that we would hear your word and as James encourages us to do your word as well. It's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, today we're completing our two-part sermon on the story of Joseph and his brothers. And I have to tell you, friends, I I still have a lot to learn about this life and this faith that I'm living, but one thing that I have learned and one of the things that this story powerfully reminds me of, us of, is that when we seem to be at our saddest or at our maddest or when the tears seem to be filling our eyes more than usual, that's the time. That's the time to draw nearer to God and get quiet and get still and get prayerful and just look out because God is about to do something transformative in our lives and in our hearts. And that brings me to the question that I want to start with today, and it's this, what brings tears to your eyes? 
What brings tears to your eyes? It's a simple question that you can answer easily enough, I guess. Well, when I'm really sad, that brings tears to my eyes. When I'm grieving something, that brings tears to my eyes. When I'm really, really joyful or really, really proud, that brings tears to my eyes sometimes too. If I experience physical pain, that can bring tears to my eyes. What brings tears to your eyes? And what about those tears? What's in those tears? Is it just salt and water, or is it, is it a little more complicated than that? Well, it, actually, it is a little bit more complicated than that. It is water, but it is also minerals, and it's also oil. And did you know that, well, we, we have all kinds of tears. We have the normal kinds of tears that our eyes are always making. In fact, the average human being produces between 15 and 30 gallons of tears a year, and we need those normal tears to moisten our eyes and lubricate and keep the health of our eye. But our emotional tears, they have a different composition than our regular tears. In addition to all the stuff I've I've mentioned, the the minerals and the oil and the, the water, they also contain enzymes. They also contain stress hormones that are being shed from the body through our tears. That's one of the reasons that we tend to feel calmer and better after we've had a good cry over something that upsets us. Have you ever had a season of life where tears have just found you more often than usual? I had one of those seasons of life years ago. My, my father had, had passed away in November of 2010, and a few weeks after that, because we were, I guess, emotionally needy ourselves, we succumbed to the, the request, that, that what had become a yearly request from our children to buy a Christmas puppy. Well, guess what? We bought a Christmas puppy that year, and we had tears of sadness with my dad being gone, and we had tears of frustration trying to train a new puppy. And I remember sitting in a particular place. I sit, a chair, it's kind of my, my prayer area at the house, and I gathered myself up that night, and I was just thinking and praying, and, and thoughts of my dad came back into my, my heart, and, and the tears were just flowing. And then there was this new little puppy sitting right there in front of me, and she kind of cocked her head the way dogs do sometimes, and she was just looking at me as I was crying. And all of a sudden, she jumped up in my lap. And then before I knew it, there were little paws on my chest, and she was licking those tears right off of my cheeks. And I thought, well, how about that? These tears, they just feel a little bit different in that moment. What brings tears to your eyes? How do they get wiped away? I, I ask the question because as we're looking at the story of Joseph and his brothers, where we left off last week and, and where we now pick up, I, I noticed anew, as many times as I've read the story, many, many times over the years, I, I noticed in a different way Joseph's tears. Joseph cries a lot in this story. He weeps in this story. And I want to conclude this two-part sermon with examining Joseph's tears. What was in his tears? What was the competition, the, the competition, the composition of, uh, of Joseph's tears? Because let's remember where we left it off. Joseph irritated his brothers to the point where not only could they not speak peaceably to him, they hated him because of his dreams, because of his words. They hated Joseph inside and out. They hated everything about him. He was favored by their father, Jacob. He was the youngest. He was bright, he was good-looking, and he had these very annoying dreams that put him in a superior position 
to them being in a subordinate position, and it, and it really caused a wedge. They threw him in a well. It didn't kill him. They sold him to a band of Ishmaelite traders. They took him to Egypt. He was sold into slavery. He ended up working for the captain of the guard named Potiphar. He ended up getting thrown by this man into, the jail, into jail, and he spent a whole two years in Potiphar's prison. That's where we left it last week. But things started to turn around for Joseph, and they started to turn around for Joseph because of his ability to interpret dreams. Some of Pharaoh's closest aides were, they, they upset Pharaoh, and they were thrown into the dungeon, and Joseph is with them, and they had had dreams, and Joseph interpreted their dreams, worked out real well for one of them, it worked out not well at all for the other one, if you know the story, and, and he promised Joseph, he said, when I go back to Pharaoh, I will remember you. So he went back to Pharaoh, he was restored to his position, and guess what? He forgot all about Joseph. So there he was, languishing in prison utterly forgotten about, yet he was there. And then one day Pharaoh had a dream, and it was a disturbing dream about fat cows and skinny cows, about ugly cows and beautiful cows, and he didn't understand it. Nobody could understand this dream, and that's when the cupbearer to the Pharaoh remembered Joseph, this guy who can interpret dreams. So they they pulled him out of the dungeon, they cleaned him up, they put him in front of Pharaoh, and Joseph, he not only interpreted the dream, but he had a plan. He knew what the dream meant. He knew that it meant seven years of plenty for the land and seven years of famine for the land, and he had a plan that during the seven years of plenty, they would hold back 20% of the grain so that they would not only in Egypt be sustained during the time of famine, but so they could save the whole world and make a lot of money in the process. I mean, that, that was, and Pharaoh was, was so amazed at his wisdom and his ability to interpret this dream and to have this plan in place that he appointed him on the spot in charge of everything. So think of what happened to Joseph in one day. He woke up in prison, and he went to bed in the palace. He woke up that morning as a prisoner. He went to bed as the prime minister. Things were looking up for Joseph in spite of all the bad things that happened. Things seemed to be going well in his life until they weren't. Well, you see what happened. Sure enough, seven years of plenty. Joseph enacted the plan. They had all kinds of grain. And then the famine came, and there were plenty for people in Egypt to eat. And then people from other parts of the world started to come because they needed grain as well. They were at risk of starving to death. And of all people, guess who showed up to Joseph to buy grain from the Egyptians? <laughs> Some of you are smiling because you know the story. And even if you haven't read the story recently, you know what happened. Of course, it was, his, it was those rascals. It was those brothers who threw him into the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelite caravan. And, and, and there they are. Now, you can imagine what we might do if we were in place of Joseph. We might want to enact vengeance. We might have a right to exact some kind of recompense for all that had happened. But what Joseph does as he hears them talking, they don't, they don't recognize him, of course, but he, he, he recognizes them quite well, and he hears his native tongue being spoken again, and he hears what they're talking about as he's being kind of harsh with them. He's, he's playing his role as an Egyptian official, and that's 
that's when they say, well, this is what we get. I mean, this is a curse upon us for what we did to Joseph, you know, way back when. And, and we're told that he turned away from them, and he wept. So he, he sent them back through a whole series of events. He was pretending to check out their story, but he, what he was really doing, he was figuring out where his family was and what they were doing and how people were. And I mean, when he found out that Jacob, his father, was still alive, who he loved so much, and when he found out that he had a brother now that he didn't have before, that Benjamin had been born, and he turned away from them again, and he, he wept, and he sent them away, and they, they came back, and when he, when he met Benjamin for the first time, and he, he revealed himself to them, who he really was. And they were shocked, and they were terrified. We were told that he wept so loudly that people in the house next door could hear him crying. What was in those tears? Friends, what were in those tears of Joseph was a desire to be made whole, to be made whole personally, to be made whole with his family for that to somehow be reconciled. You know, on the surface of it, things had turned out really well for Joseph. Not only did he have this high position, but Pharaoh had given him a wife, and they had had two sons, and, and even the names of the sons, Manasseh and, and Ephraim, roughly translates to something like, you know, the Lord has made me forget my misery. The Lord has made me fruitful in my injustice. He could have said, and maybe he was saying to himself, something like we say to ourselves when things just kind of work out, well, gosh, that was really hard. I mean, it was really hard what I went through. It was really hard what happened, but it's turned out for me. It's okay. And maybe in a way it, it was, and maybe in a way it is when we've been hurt, when our eyes have been filled with tears. And then we find out that just because it's turned out okay, it doesn't mean that we're okay. Joseph had a desire to be made whole. Even though things had worked out for him, he had a good job, he had a beautiful family, he still was not reconciled to his people, to his father, to his brothers, to a brother he had just met. There's something else about those tears of Joseph as he keeps weeping. Even in the passage you heard as the story kind of comes to a conclusion, he's, he's weeping there because his dreams are coming true. We all know what it's like to dream, to have a dream of a career path, to have a dream of this, to have a dream of that. And Joseph had dreams. They were dreams that he was beginning now to be able to interpret for himself those dreams of those sheave stalks that were bound together, bowing down to his. Those dreams of the sun and the moon and those 11 stars bowing down to him. They were starting to make sense. Those dreams were literally coming true in that moment. As they're bowing down before him, the brothers, as the brothers are doing that, as he's in this position of authority, as he has been in this role of, of being placed in a place and in a position where he could help save not just the people of Egypt, not just the people of the world, but his own family through all of these events. And it's in his dreams coming true. And Joseph seeing this, it's in all of that that he can say before his brothers as they're still worried that Joseph is going to be holding a grudge, which from a human point of view, I guess, 
He very well could have, but he didn't because he said to them, am I in the place of of God? Joseph understood that they intended what they did to him for evil, but he also could claim in that moment that God was moving, God was doing something in the midst of all of those terrible events, that there was God's good and redemptive hand in the midst of all of his brokenness, in the midst of all of that pain, in the midst of all of that uncertainty. Friends, as I said, I still have a lot to learn in this life, but I've learned from this story once again that when the tears come, that when we can't seem to be any madder or sadder or worried about something, lean into God, get quiet, be still, lean into your faith because God is doing something transformative there. I've been reminded in this moment that has come full circle for, for Joseph, of course, that, that any of us can have a, an unexpected and full circle moment in our lives that fill our eyes with tears. And I had one of those just yesterday afternoon. This, um, this puppy of ours that I described for you back in December of 2010 that just became my dog and I became her person has given us uh, a lot of joy all, over these years. If you've done Zoom calls with me during the pandemic, you know Bindi. Uh, you've seen her uh, come into the frame and give me a kiss or start licking my hair or doing something comical or, or amusing. You've heard her bark because somebody has the audacity to walk by our home. And, well, I was thinking about that story early in the week of, of her licking my tears away and just what a, what a moment that was. And then later in the week, she got a little bit sick. By the end of the week, she was a lot sicker. And there we were yesterday, Kathy, my wife, and Hannah, my daughter, and I at the emergency vet. She was too weak and sick to lick the tears off my cheeks. And had a full circle moment because there she was as we were putting her to sleep in a moment that really amounted to the worst Saturday I think I've ever had in my life. of being two things at one time. And if you have a pet, you know how hard this is. Of being at once utterly heartbroken and devastated at the loss and at the same time utterly blessed and thankful to have had this creature blessing my family and blessing my heart at this time. Friends, I ask you again, What brings tears to your eyes? Some of you right now are thinking, thanks, Pastor Eric. Losing a dog brings tears to my eyes. Even losing your dog brings a tear. If you're a pet owner, you know how that lands with you. But, oh, friends, we've we've had news here in recent weeks, seems like even more news than usual, of people here in the church receiving devastating diagnoses, of people having broken hearts for various reasons, even our dear Miss Shirley passing on that Melissa shared with us earlier. We have lots, we have lots to fill our eyes with tears. And as we're talking about forgiveness and reconciliation, 
a lot of us here and now, may have a growing awareness that even though we're all right, we're not all right. I want you to know that when you come forward for communion in just a few minutes, you can bring those tears, either external or internal. You can bring them to these rails, to this altar, and you can rest assured that God will meet you in that place, friends. And you can rest assured that God is doing a transforming work in the midst of your tears. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.